Well, good morning, church. Again, my name is Drew Collins. I'm the worship arts pastor here at South Suburban. Let me start this morning just by saying you're welcome for bringing such a great beard into this community. <laughs> I know it's super impressive, and you're welcome for that. Hey, joking aside, it's really a privilege to be one of the pastors here at South Suburban. And this morning, it's an honor to preach from the Word. We're in week two of a three-part series on worship called As in Heaven. And you'll remember that last week, uh, Patrick preached a great message about worship in our lives, that our primary act of worship as individuals is to submit our will to God's will. Do you remember that? That's our primary act of worship as individuals, to say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a choice that we make, right? It's one that's prompted by the Spirit of God, but it's a choice that we make to say, Lord, I want to submit my will to your will. That's worship in our individual lives. Today, we look at worship in the church. If you have a whole bunch of people who have submitted their individual wills to God's, the question today is, what happens when all those people get together in the same room? Right? You got all kinds of answers for that, I'm sure. It's what we call corporate worship. Corporate worship is still about God's kingdom coming and about his will being done, but it's a unique aspect of worship in our lives because in corporate worship, we come together to participate in God's story through remembrance and thanksgiving. That's what church is. It's coming together to participate in God's story through remembrance and thanksgiving. Our singing, our preaching, our prayers, our fellowship, our giving, our kids' ministry, all those things are designed to help us participate in God's story through remembrance and thanksgiving. So let's begin with the idea of story. You know, there are so many competing stories these days about the world in which we live and about our place within it. Some stories say that you matter, but only if you're beautiful in the way we define beauty. Some stories say you matter as long as you're wealthy. Some stories say that you matter, but only if your skin is the right color, or if you're the right gender, or if you grew up on the right side of the border. All of those stories have something in common. They keep people on the outside, and they make the world very, very small. But the good news for us today is that God also has a story about the world. And it's a big story, and we get to be part of it. See, when we gather for corporate worship, we participate in God's story. Scholar and theologian Robert Weber said that in church services, we sing, tell, and enact God's story of the world. As you continue to come to worship here, you're going to learn God's story, and we're going to help you discover your place within that story. I remember the night three years ago when my daughter, Sayla, became a Broncos fan. As a father, it was 
literally one of the proudest moments of my entire life. Amen? Let's just receive the offering right now. <laughs> um, now, I happen to be a bit of a night owl, and on top of that, that particular night, I was having trouble getting to sleep. So I'd gone downstairs, and I was watching my DVD of the Broncos' first Super Bowl win. Well, Sayla's kind of like me in that sometimes she has trouble getting to sleep. So she must have seen the light on downstairs. She came down and she said, Dada, what are you doing? And so I did what any good father would do. I talked with her about football. <laughs> I told her all about football. I said, hey, I'm going to tell you about the Denver Broncos. I said, I said, here's the thing. You need to know that the Broncos had been to the Super Bowl four times before, but had never won. Then I told her about these heroes, John Elway and TD and Eddie McCaffrey and that incredible offensive line. Right? I told her about the Mile High Salute, and then I told her about these villainous Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and that they were the heavy favorites to win the game. I said, Selah, the NFC had won the 13 previous Super Bowls. She was five, but this was important. <laughs> so we sat on the couch in the middle of the night, and we cheered the Broncos on to victory in Super Bowl 32. The very next day, I went and I bought matching jerseys for the two of us. Peyton Manning jerseys. In fact, I said, oh, there we are. Yep, that is us. Now, we've since, over the last few years, cheered for the Broncos in every season. You know, we, we, we cheered for them, we pulled for them in that tough Super Bowl loss, 48, right? And then the win for the ages in Super Bowl 50. Can I get an amen? <laughs> hey, we, uh, now on game day, we wear those jerseys. We fly a Broncos flag out in front of our house and we watch the game. We love our Denver Broncos. In fact, you could say that now we're part of the Broncos' story. We participate now in their story. Well, let me tell you a little piece of God's story from Deuteronomy 6. It's part of the biblical account of the people of Israel. They'd lived for years in slavery in Egypt, forced into hard manual labor at the hands of the Pharaoh. And then God rescued them. He performed miracles in leading them to freedom. He provided everything they needed during this 40-year journey through the wilderness and in the passage we're about to read, Moses, the leader of God's people, gathers everybody together, and they're right on the threshold of the land that God promised to give them. And this is what he says. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In the future, when your children ask you, what's the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell them the story. The command was to be a people who actively participated in the story of God. It's as if God was saying, I want you to live within my story. 
Well, corporate worship helps us live within the story of God. It helps us both to tell the story and become part of it ourselves. Does that make sense, church? Now, let me pause and just say for a moment that corporate worship isn't meant to be the only way in which we participate in the story. If you only engage the story of God for an hour and a half on Sunday, then you're missing out. Because the story is not about, is not about making your commitment so that you're in right standing with God, just that alone, right? It's also about the power of God to transform our lives. It's also about seeing God's kingdom extend to every corner of the earth, amen? It's about seeing God's will done in the life of every heart that he's created. That's why over this three-week series, we're examining worship in our individual lives, our corporate worship, and then worship in the broader culture. See, corporate worship plays a vital role in our lives, and that's why we're talking about it today. But the story of God, it's way too powerful just to contain on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Of necessity, God's story extends beyond these walls. And yet, corporate worship remains one of the primary ways in which we participate in God's story. Church is important. The book of Ephesians tells us that in God's wisdom, he created this incredible living structure called the church. It says that he made the church to be the living embodiment of Jesus in the world, the vessel of the Spirit of God, and the vehicle through which he would bring his kingdom on this earth. See, the church is unique in all of society. Did you know that? There's only one entity in our whole society that's been given both the command and the authority to proclaim the gospel of Christ, to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to celebrate Holy Communion. There's no other organization in all of society that's called to do that. So for those of you who are taking notes this morning, just write, church is kind of a big deal. <laughs> if you want to fully participate in the story of God, then church is a big deal. Amen? Now we've said that in corporate worship we, get worship, we gather to participate in God's story. And we do that through remembrance and thanksgiving. How many of you are forgetful? Yeah, you forget your keys, you forget where you parked your car, you forget that your glasses are on your head, you're already forgetting why you raised your hand. <laughs> hey, if you're forgetful, you're in good company. All through history, God's people have had a pretty crummy memory. They just tend to forget. Now, not long after God instructed the people of Israel to tell his story, to think about it, to talk about it, to sing about it, to tell their kids about it, he said this, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Remember the Lord your God. God had just basically told them to let his story permeate every part of their lives, right? Why then would he say, don't forget me? It's because we're forgetful people, isn't it? We're prone to forget prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. 
Let's look again at the passage in Deuteronomy. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. We tend to forget, don't we? Corporate worship helps us remember. When we get together on Sunday morning, it helps us remember who God is and what he's done. And remembrance guards our heart against pride. And it helps us see ourselves as belonging to the story, but not the main character of the story. See, when we remember, we see ourselves in a proper context. We recognize that we're not God. And that's a good thing, right? I mean, that, 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 that's a good thing, right? <laughs> we recognize that we're not God and that life really does work better when we submit our will to God's will, when we say, God, I want to see your kingdom come on earth rather than my own. And so we practice remembrance. In fact, let's, uh, let's practice just a little bit right now. Okay, you guys ready? I don't know if you're going to know this song. It's pretty new. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider a story of remembrance, isn't it? It helps us remember who God is and what he's done. And I know for several of us in this room, that song takes us places. It takes us to memories of God's faithfulness. It takes us to stories of, of, of when he met us in life and did a work that we couldn't do for ourselves. Do you see the importance of corporate worship? of gathering to participate in God's story through remembrance. See, we gather to participate through remembrance, but then also through thanksgiving. Those two go together, remembrance and thanksgiving. 
Those two themes, you'll see, they're, they're woven all the way throughout the biblical narrative. Remember and give thanks. Be a people who remember and then give thanks. Don't forget. In fact, let me, let me demonstrate how those two go together. You just can't keep to yourself, can you? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, that's how, some of you just about lost your minds right there. That is how remembrance and thanksgiving go together. In music, that second to last note, its whole point is to draw you home to that root note. It brings resolution. Yet anytime we hear that, duh, and you just want to hear, duh, it's there, we've landed. It brings us home. That's how remembrance and thanksgiving go together. When we remember who God is and what he's done, when we start to consider, not only in the Bible, but in our own lives as well, how good he really is, we can't help but to give thanks, right? We can't help but to say, thank you, God. That's how those go together. If you're remembering who God is and what he's done when we get together, you can't help but to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, they go together. Take a look at Psalm 100 with me, because Psalm 100 shows remembrance and thanksgiving, remembrance and thanksgiving. Look at this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. See, right here, here's some remembrance. It's he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. See, corporate worship is designed to help us to give thanks. How many of you walk in the door on Sunday morning and you say, I don't know all the words to say, but I just want to say thank you to Jesus? Corporate worship gives us words. There's so many elements in our services that help us express our gratitude in our songs, in our prayers, in joyfully receiving the word, in giving of our tithes and offerings, right? In celebrating baptisms, in, in, in all these ways. Help us when we gather to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. But perhaps the best example of thanksgiving in our service is found right here at the communion table. In fact, that's, that's the hinge point in the service. That's where remembrance and thanksgiving come together. In some traditions, some traditions maybe that you grew up in, it's called the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. Isn't that beautiful? Communion is meant to be a celebration of thanksgiving in response to a God who loved us first who pursued us when we were far away, and who created and redeemed us to participate in his story. So for the note takers, right, communion, also a big deal. <laughs> in our corporate worship, we demonstrate our thankfulness by engaging in all of these different practices of worship. 
Does that make sense? But you know what? It's not just engaging in the practices. It's also the way in which we engage those practices, right? How many of you moms, when you prepared a meal for your kiddos, didn't you just love it when you could see how grateful they were for that particular meal? Because you know what it looks like when they're not grateful. You know when they have the eat your broccoli face on, right? And when they're like, oh my gosh, macaroni and cheese, here we go, right? It's not just engaging in these practices of thanksgiving, it's the way in which we engage in these practices. Psalm 100, again, it gives us examples of how God's people demonstrate their thankfulness in corporate worship. They shout for joy with gladness. They sing songs of praise. They enter his gates with thanksgiving. Other passages show God's people clapping their hands, bowing down, sitting in silence, kneeling, lifting their hands to God. All of these things are corporate demonstrations of thankfulness. As a body, they show us both what to do and how to do it. Let me ask you this. Because we have guests who visit us each week. Would the guests who walk into this room on Sunday morning describe us as thankful worshipers? If you were to pull them on the way out and just say, hey, give me one word that describes what you just experienced, would they say thankfulness? Is our gratitude evident in the way that we worship? Let me say it again. We demonstrate our thankfulness in the way that we worship. Now, I get it. The examples from Psalm 100, they're pretty expressive. And for some of us, that makes us kind of nervous, right? If you didn't grow up in, a, in an outwardly demonstrative church environment, or if your family wasn't very emotive or expressive, or if you're an introvert, or even if you have some physical limitations, you might say, hey, listen, I'm thankful I just don't feel like I need to raise my hands to show it. Well, here's the thing. The point is not that we all look alike in how we worship, okay? Like, you're not doing it wrong if you don't walk in the door and just start shouting for joy, okay? The question is not whether you should raise your hands or not. The question is, how can you best express your thankfulness to God today? Do you see the difference? It's not, man, am I just supposed to do this thing so that I know Jesus loves me or so that people see that I'm thankful? No, the question is, how can I best express my gratitude to the Lord today? Secondly, because we see such a variety of worship expressions in the Bible, just know that over time, as you continue to come to worship here, we're gonna practice all of those except maybe King David's worship style. We won't dance in our underpants, okay? <laughs> but short of that, all the expressions of worship, at some time or another in our corporate worship, we're gonna practice those. Because as you see in Psalm 100, it's a call not to the individual, but to the whole congregation to express their worship in a particular way. And as your worship pastor, part of what I'm called to do here is to help expand our worship vocabulary. So for those of you who have trouble sitting and being still, 
guess what? You're going to have the opportunity to practice that. For those of you who um, kind of live more in the place of, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face, um, you'll be invited to lift your hands at certain points or smile, right? We, 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 we want to be able to express our worship together. And in fact, there's, there are going to be times where I'll invite you as, an, as a whole congregation to engage in a particular expression of worship. And it might be something that's new to you as an individual. But the same question applies. How can we best express our thankfulness to God today? So as we conclude this morning, there are two questions listed in your sermon notes that I want you to reflect on. The first is this. God, what are you calling me to remember today? God, what are you calling me to remember today? And the second is, how can I best express my thankfulness to you today? As we prepare to come to the communion table, consider those questions. Now, maybe you're here and you say, listen, I'm new to this. I don't know much about the story of God. I'm not sure about Jesus. I'm not sure I fit here. And honestly, I'm not sure why we all stood up and sang. The last time I did that was at a birthday party. I don't know what's going on. That's okay. Keep coming to church because you belong. You have a place inside God's story, and you have a place here in this community. So if, if, that's, if that's you today, I just want you to know, we'll help you learn the story. And we'll help you discover how you fit within it. In fact, the good news is that you can join in God's story today. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that now. So with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to join in the story, I just invite you to pray along with me in your heart as I pray out loud. God, I want to join in your story. I've tried living where I make my will the most important thing. And God, I want to try putting your will first. Lord, there are a lot of things that I've done wrong, but I've heard that you're a God who forgives. Forgive me. And be the one who's in control of my life. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, there's, there's nothing magical in the prayer, in the words, but there is something incredibly powerful in choosing to submit our will to God's will. So if you made that choice today, would you let us know? On your connection card, there's a, there's a little box on the back that says yes. If you made that decision today, check that box, and then at the end of the service, some of our elders, the spiritual leaders here in the church, will be up front, and they'll be ready to welcome you and pray for you. And you can just bring that card up to them and let them know the decision you made. Now, if that totally freaks you out, there's another option. 
You can, you can, at the conclusion of the service, drop that connection card that I said yes. You can put that in a, in a basket at the Welcome Center. You don't have to talk to anybody, and as soon as you drop it, you can run like mad. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Remember, the whole, the whole message today was about corporate worship. We don't do this alone, and the good news is we don't have to. So, so I just want to say that, that we want to celebrate with you, and we want to help you learn God's story and discover your place within it. In fact, let's celebrate right now with those who made that decision today. Maybe you're hearing you say, I learned the story a long time ago, but I forgot. I've lost the plot somewhere in there, and honestly, I've lost some of the passion. That's okay. Keep coming to church. God hasn't lost his passion for you, and he'll help you remember the story. Maybe you're hearing you say, life happened, and now I've got a lot more questions than answers. That's okay. Keep coming to church. We'll help you remember the beauty and the power of God's story, and you know what? We'll walk with you through the questions. Maybe you're here today and you say, God's story's more real to me right now than it ever has been. I've found my place within it, and I love it. Keep coming to church. Because we want to celebrate that with you. Wherever you find yourself this morning, remember that God loves you and he created you to take part in his story, to see his kingdom come and his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.